um, is an organisation within Australian Baptists that look at church planting, resources for churches and the like. And as I was praying about Christmas and what to preach on, I discovered this series called Good News for a Change. And so over the next three or four uh, times when I speak, I'll be looking at this theme because I really do believe the world needs good news for a change. There's been a lot of uh, sad news and bad news out there. In particular, this morning I'm going to be looking at hope for a change. If you've got your Bibles there, we'll be looking in a little while at John chapter 1, verse 17, or 1 to 17. And uh, I believe there's a message of hope that we, as followers of Jesus, can bring to our families and our community at this time of the year. In fact, all of the year, but at this time of the year. And in thinking about hope, I was thinking, why do we need hope? I had someone say to me just recently, will good ever win over evil? And sadly, their life was going through a bit of turmoil and all they could see was the hard times, the bad times, the sad times. And so, as a, as a believer, and they certainly are a believer, they said to me, will good ever win over evil? I don't know what you think about that. When you look at the world scene, you might question whether good will ever, ever win over evil. In our world, think back over this last 12 months, there's been some sad, difficult, awful times in our world. And of course, the big one is the pandemic and and all the associated trappings of that, whether it be restrictions, isolations, confusion, whether it be deaths and the sadness that comes with that, the anxiety, the fear, the world has been affected by this. And it, I believe the, the source of this is evil. I don't believe God intended that. Let alone the atrocities that happen in some of the countries around the world, in South Sudan and in America, uh, in, America, in, in, in Africa, in um, Afghanistan in the Middle East with the taking over of the government there by the terrorist groups. The sadness in Europe with the influx of refugees from all over Africa and the Middle East. There's, there's been some really dark moments in this year, but not just in the world, but in our country too. And again, probably uh, coronavirus is the top of the list there. But I was listening to an interview with somebody from Dolby in southern Queensland and that mice plague at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you heard about that. But it was enormous and both in northern New South Wales and in uh, southern and western Queensland, the mice plague was the worst mice plague that they've had for many, many years and it nearly destroyed farms. We've seen (coughs) severe storms and floodings. We've seen, sadly, the road toll not not decreasing around our nation because people are not doing the right thing on the roads. In our church, it's been a tough year. We've had to say farewell to people that we've normally fellowshiped with. And the dynamics of that have been tough. I don't know if you've noticed it, but we miss those people who've gone to Yungabara. And uh, whenever we can get together with them, it's great. Uh, But that's been a, not a dark moment, but a difficult time for us in the church. And yet God has blessed both churches. Some of us have seen... Friends pass away. Some of us have seen friends move away. And it wouldn't be unusual for people to ask the question, will good ever win over evil? Where's the hope in that question? There's no hope in that question, is there? And yet, we know that the Bible tells us that there is hope for us. 
For those who follow Jesus, who believe in the one true God, there's hope for us. And I want to look this morning at, at three or four reasons why there's hope for us and why we can bring a message of hope in our conversations with people, uh, not only at this time of the year, but any time throughout the year. Hope opens us up to the future. Do you know what fear does? It bogs us down in the present because of the past. But hope opens us up to the future. When you say, I hope for something, or you might say, I wish for something, it's something that's probably not happening now, but you want it to happen. Would you agree? So, whenever we think, read of hope in the scriptures, there's often this future context. Whether it be prophecies from the Old Testament, whether it be Jesus' words in the New Testament, or Paul or any of the other writers looking ahead to the future, which includes us. So, hope is a word that opens us up to the future. Let's have a look at some of the scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah writes this, Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. I want that. Anybody want that? I want that. So, Isaiah is obviously speaking God's words to Israel, but I'll take that on board for me too. In the past, God, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, But in the future he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Who is Isaiah talking about? So the answer to everything is Jesus, by the way, isn't it? He is talking about Jesus. That was a prophecy of hope for the people of Israel. Even in a time when they felt that they were overwhelmed by evil, the Roman invasion and the domination, this prophecy of Isaiah was a message of hope. He promised the light would come into the darkness hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. So our message needs to be a message of hope too. But certainly it was there from prophecy. And in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, I'm going to read through the first uh, 17 verses, so bear with me. They're words you've probably heard before. In fact, so that neither you or I go to sleep, how about I read the first screen and you read the next screen? How's that help? Okay. You know these words, I'm sure. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Your turn. In him was life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not understood. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Do you know what? You and I are Johns, not literally. But that's our job, isn't it? We're not the light. We are pointing to the light, just as John was. Next screen. He was in the world. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision 
or a husband's will, but born of God. Who's that today? Us. That's us. All who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I think I said verse 17, we're actually going to stop at 14. Amazing words of hope in that first chapter of John, aren't there? The light was coming, the word was coming and he's coming to us, for us. The true light has come into the world. The true light has given us hope for the future rather than despairing over the past or the present. That's not to say that it's going to be easy. Now, the word hope gives us confidence for the future because we have confidence in Jesus. The future confidence relates to Revelation 21. Verses 3 and 4 and this is what it says. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Who wants that? Yes. There will be no more death, amen, or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Is that hope? Absolutely that's hope. So it has this future context whether tomorrow or the end of time we have God's promise in his word that all will be right, will be made right. You find that hopeful? I do. I find that hopeful. Hope opens us to the future because we have confidence in Jesus. Why should we have confidence in Jesus? Because of who he is. John John chapter 1 says, He's the word from the beginning. He was with God. He is God and all things were made by him. In him is life itself. That's why we can have confidence in Jesus. Because of who he is. Not only that but because of what he's done. What has Jesus done? He became flesh. He came to live on this earth so that we might identify with who God is. That's what he's done. What he's promised us He's promised us the right to become children of God. The right to be in fellowship with him. He's promised us that light will overcome the darkness. That good will win over evil. That's the promises of Jesus. So not only does hope open us up to the future because we have confidence in Christ, but hope is about Escape, not about, sorry, not about escape, it's about victory. In the conversations that you have with people, I don't know what they are hoping for. Uh, but certainly ones that I've had with people, they're hoping that, that, that things will be better for themselves. They're hoping that things will happen now and soon and that there'll be an end to certain things in our community, whether it be crime or domestic violence or whatever. That's the sort of hope that people that I hear people talking about. The hope of escaping the trouble or escaping the problems. Trying to make everything easier is the hope that I hear people talking about. The hope that erases suffering. And when it's, that discussion takes place in the context of talking about Jesus, often I hear people using Jesus as a superhero. 
rather than a saviour. You know, he'll fix it now rather than fixing it in God's time. And I think people don't know the scriptures if they believe that God's going to end all suffering in a hurry. Because victory for Jesus came through suffering, didn't it? And that's not what people like to hear. Jesus' victory took him through suffering. Jesus' victory took him, he came to this world in an obscure way. There's a, there's a song or a poem that's been around for years. It's called One Solitary Life. Does anybody know that one? Of all the nations that have ever, all, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed. Uh, there's not one life on earth that has affected, affected mankind other than this one solitary life. But it starts off by saying that he was born in an obscure place, an obscure village, the son of a carpenter. No one famous or royal or noble So Jesus lives through that. He lives through poverty because the carpenter's wages weren't that good in those days. He lives through injustice. He faced evil. He faced death. He had the promise of God, of resurrection life. But he went through the suffering so that he might be victorious. His hope had not been misplaced. His hope had been proven. It's the same for us. When I read that passage earlier in Romans, these are some of the verses. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, do we? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character, hope. Do you want hope? Look at what has to go beforehand or may go beforehand. And I believe hope not only helps us to survive, but helps us to grow It helps us to face the challenges along the way. It's not about escape. It's about victory. And victory, I believe, will happen in the end. It may happen sooner than that. But that's what we should be focused on. Why should we be focused on that? Because, oh, oh, that was verse 5. Because if we're focused on the victory, it gives us courage to take risks. It gives us courage to pray those prayers, Dave, doesn't it? You know, Lord, I'm praying for these guys out here. Bring somebody along. Bring Mark along. Ah, God answers. We can be motivated to take a risk when we have that hope. We can be motivated to do something we might find initially fearful or scary. And we know that our efforts, our struggles, our suffering will be well worth it. And ultimately, according to God's word and promises, it will be rewarded as well. I think this hope includes, or this this risk includes, being brave enough, being noble, to take that step towards those who are currently hopeless. You remember what Jesus said when he looked out over Jerusalem? They were helpless and hopeless like people, like sheep without a shepherd. There are people in our communities that are struggling right now because they have no sense of hope for the future. They have no purpose for every new day. Peter writes this in his letter, that we are to offer hope to others. How do we do it? But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
It's a risk, isn't it? It's a risk to tell somebody what we believe, why we hope for the best, why we have a confident hope in Jesus for the future. Do you know this sort of hope? I trust you do. The question for each of us today is, do we have the courage to take the step and risk it by sharing this hope with others who are really hopeless at the moment? That's the challenge for us. We can have hope. There can be hope in this world today because we know the one who gives us the hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the one who has a wonderful plan and Lord that we're a part of that plan because you've called us to yourself. We know Jesus. We walk day by day with him. Your spirit's within us. We have a hope that is often shaken but never, never, never given up on. And Father, we know that there are people around about us in our everyday lives that we connect with that, that are afraid, that are struggling, that are suffering with no, no hope involved. Lord, give us the boldness, give us the courage, give us the words to say that we might tell them our story of the one who has not only given us hope but peace and love and joy and grace and mercy as well. And Father, this week we pray that even in talking about Christmas with somebody we might tell them about Jesus, the hope of the world and that they might sit up and take notice and start to listen that you're a God who loves them so much that you gave your one and only son for them that they might come to know you and have that confidence in hope for the future. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask the music team to come up and we're going to uh, sing one more song and then Zach's going to come and sing for us. The world is struggling. We know the answer in Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. And I trust that you'll pray that God will build his kingdom. Use us to do it. Let's stand and sing, build your kingdom. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again Increase in us we pray Unveil while we're made Come set our hearts ablaze with hope Like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit come invade us now We are your church We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your joy and prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. We pray revive.